This is episode number 19 with Nicholas Shellestack. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. For this episode, I got to interview Nicholas Shellestack, who plays guitars, synths, and samplers for Fanagram. We did this interview live from Coachella amongst the chaos, crowds, and heat, so you will hear some background noise. The set that Fanagram put on at Coachella was literally on fire. If you get a chance to see them this coming summer, do it. Besides being a fantastic musician, Nicholas is also a talented photographer. You can check out some of his work on Instagram at I am foresighted. So happy that this interview happened after months of trying to get it scheduled. All right, let's hop into Nick's interview. What music influenced you growing up? Well, I took a strange path starting as a saxophone player. I started listening to just jazz, specifically even just sax artists from, you know, age 10. And like I was one of those jazz snobs that didn't listen to any popular music at all throughout my high school years. And because of that, it's like I, I actually felt myself kind of outgrow the jazz and wanting to go somewhere else with it. It's like I started playing in other non-jazz bands and playing in, in like with ska bands specifically in the 90s. And I thought, oh, like all this is is this, this three chord, you know, it's fast reggae. Okay. And like this stuff is, you know, so simple compared to what I was doing, but I, I still was interested in being good at it. So I, I started listening to what all my, you know, it's like, all right, tell me the best ska bands. And then I was, you know, it was fun stuff, but talk about a, a, a technical discrepancy between, you know, playing Coltrane and then playing, you know, Less Than Jake kind of stuff. Both are fun and both, the, but, you know, I, very different influences. And so that's when I wanted to start writing, when I went, okay, I want to play, I don't want to do jazz anymore, I want to do popular. I wanted to play music that other people uh, would enjoy that don't actually have to play the genre. I mean... How old, how old were you when you kind of made that distinction? Uh, 19. I finally went, all right, I want to listen to... To, to everything. That's when I actually wanted, I wanted to write, and so I decided I wanted to learn how to play guitar. Since I didn't play piano or anything, I was you know one of those kids that didn't. Everyone else I know was forced to have piano lessons growing up. I didn't, so I was like, I need a I need a chord instrument so I, I can write. And so I thought, all right, I like the whole rock genre better. So I grabbed a guitar and started studying. And then because of that, I kind of did the the clinical. All right, I'll start back. Like I already knew blues and stuff. I started. I had my jazz people from the 20s. I, you know, did that. And I was like, all right, let me start with like the Beatles, and then literally work my way up. And that's exactly that's what I did. I mean, started. And then I remember specifically when I was listening to the radio uh, right before Kid A came out, and the radio station played Optimistic. And I was sitting at a stoplight by my house, and I just went. I, that, that was my light bulb moment. That was when, oh, okay, okay, okay. What what is happening? Like it was just hearing sounds. I was I didn't know I didn't know what I was hearing, and that for me was the opposite of jazz. It was what I wanted to get away from jazz. Everyone was just trying to copy someone, and I just wanted to make something sound different and new. That's so why it forced me to want something much more. Uh, 
I, I wanted to try and invent a sound. It's like I know that not every sound has been made, and and then uh, so Radiohead was the thing that really then forced my direction because I didn't know what I wanted to do with guitar. I, I mean, I, I mean, I was right. I was trying to write music for the bands I was in. So I was writing ska stuff. It's like I didn't care, but I was trying to write for the for the genre of like what did I want to do, and that that was that was the the light bulb for sure. And so to be playing before them. 18 years later is like ridiculous but that's it I mean that was that, that yeah Radiohead was what m made me into what I am today the musician wise playing all these instruments and electronic stuff and owning 100 guitar pedals and uh, since yeah so that was why I grew up that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Radiohead tonight. Like, I just, I've never seen them before. Like, I don't so. know how many times I've seen them. I, I mean, yeah, probably 10 or 12 times. Uh, it's, it's the greatest show you've ever seen. So I'm glad you get to see it. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so, so excited. <laughs> um, where did you grow up then? Uh, Seattle? Seattle. I grew up north of Seattle. Edmonds, little sleepy waterfront town and uh how did how did you um make your way i know you lived on the east coast for a while um how did you make your way over to the east coast i was living in seattle and um i was playing with you know i was playing in lots of bands i'd switched from playing sax in bands to playing guitars and i was playing with kind of whoever like some pop singer stuff and but no one was doing what I wanted to be doing. There was this a Seattle. There is a Seattle kind of vibe. You know, I knew that the musicians I wanted to be with weren't there. I mean, and I and I was, needed to get out, and I wanted to, everything I was liking was coming out of uh, like Manhattan and Brooklyn, and I didn't have a plan. Um, it was just sort of a I call it, you know, fate where opportunities present themselves. I started dating a girl who we ended up starting a clothing line and then it was either you know open a showroom in LA or New York the only two places and it was like well it, I mean it wasn't even a question we both didn't even have to finish that should we move to New York I'll forget yeah New York like we hate LA we're not going to LA yeah, yeah, yeah. so we moved to New York and I was 24 um, so that was the thing that got me to to get to New York and you know it was just so I could have a job not need to move to New York and struggle it's like and it was gonna be it was a successful clothing line and and the first thing I did when I got there was get on Craigslist and look at musicians classifieds and that's how I met Peter uh, Silverman we formed the Antlers uh, back in 2005 2005 2006 I think it was so yeah as soon as I got there it was like I'm going to find people to play with and it was literally as soon as I got there it's what I did so how long did you play with the Antlers? I guess it was like about a year and a half or two years. Um, I, after when they started to want to, to start touring, my clothing line had gotten so big that I was traveling constantly and I kind of simply had to make a decision, like support the business that I'd started that was taking off or, you know, playing the band that was still super you know we're just playing bars and whatever but like I knew it had a, um, a ton of promise I just was one of those you know I, I considered it then you know a fork in the road that I probably you know I screwed up I didn't follow my dreams I followed safety I followed you know uh, money and security and um, but then it was just 
not even two years later that uh, I just was not happy with where I was. And when I decided I needed to do, pursue music full time, so it was like 2009. Uh, um, how did you meet Sarah and Josh? Well, it's funny. So the Antlers, not when I was in it, but the Antlers did a U.S. tour with Fanagram. And then back in Brooklyn, I joined another band called Exit Music, and we did a U.S. tour with Fantagram. And when we met uh, Josh and Sarah, I was like, oh, I used to be the Antlers, too. And they were like, wait, we don't remember you. I was like, well, I'd, I started with Peter, but I wasn't in it at the time. And so that just kind of built a really quick, like, I've already been in two bands that have toured with them. And us all living in um, Williamsburg, I would, I, I'd ran into Josh a few times, and um, then in 2013, uh, like I, I toured with Eggs Music for about two years as well, um, and then they broke up, and so I wasn't in a band at the time, and I just ran into Josh one day on the sidewalk, and his birthday was coming up, I was like, oh, come on my birthday, and I was just hanging out with him and Sarah at his birthday party at the bar that I used to DJ at, Williamsburg, and they were like, yeah, we're finished the record, and Sarah was just like, we need a multi-instrumentalist, and I went, I'm not doing anything. And then, and then history, history, yeah, history, yeah. yeah, history was made, like, and you, yeah, you've been playing with them ever since. Four, year, four years, four years. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, what are some of the challenges uh, you encounter being on the road and um, being, you know, playing music? Well, um, Relationship ones are an obvious difficulty. I've tried to have a relationship in the last four years touring, and I think it takes the right kind of people. Uh, you know, like half the band is in, you know, relationships. Uh, that's one that's just kind of, if, if you don't have someone that either you just kind of click with and like it's fine if I don't see it for a long time, or if they've got also a schedule that allows them to travel more frequently uh that's definitely one of the one of the hardest i'm not in one now it's so life is much easier for me than like going through a breakup and touring is miserable but yeah breakups aren't fun just yeah they're no, they're no fun but um right now it's i don't i don't have many uh i love this life it's really i, I mean i just it's this is what I want to be doing. There's like oh, there is no kind of time. You get I, yeah, you get to be doing like what you love, playing music, going out on the road, traveling, and working with some really great a really great team. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. it's even the hardest times are still kind of fine. Like this last European tour we went on was easily one of the most difficult we've ever done it was just exhausting because it was not a bus we, we flew to every single date so when you have to throw in at least one or two airport trips a day on top of your jet lag on top of having to haul you know i think we had a total of 29 pieces of luggage you know and, and gear to all haul through um you know we probably got about two or three hours of sleep a day I mean that's that's it. like we would we would get home from a show to go to a hotel at 1 a.m. and we would have to be at the lobby at four to go to the airport. One of your flights got canceled, didn't didn't it? And you guys all had to like sleep in the airport in London. Or 
No, um, and it was fun. Even on the way to, to the airport in London, we got in a car wreck on the freeway. That started it like, okay. But something funny that happens with Fanagram, it doesn't matter how many awful things have happened, we always figure a way out for it to work. Like we can have all kinds of, oh, this is all screwed up now. And it gets pulled off in every way. Like just nothing ever falls apart, even though it seems like it should. So first we get into, into a car wreck on the freeway, but our flight's delayed two hours. So we're like, okay, well, we're not gonna miss the flight. Then we get to the airport after we get a new van and everyone's not hurt, you know, and then they cancel the flight. And the next one isn't until 6.30 p.m. the next day. We obviously have a show. That's not gonna work. So we're at the airport looking for flights to somehow get there in time to play a show. And we're kind of like, oh, we have to cancel it. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, midnight, we're at the airport we don't have a way to get there and our managers found a way for us to get there and we had all this gear two of them were like we'll literally just stay on the like we got to be back here in four hours like you guys go get a hotel sleep for a couple hours come back here at 4 30 in the morning and we'll get another flight and we'll fly and we'll play the show that day and we did we did is every single day was like that um that just sounds i mean i've traveled a lot and that that's so, yeah, it can be really exhausting. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was just, so then I fear getting sick. That's my, my only real kind of concern is, is getting sick on the road because, you know, there aren't really sick days. Can't, like, Chris and I, have we played a show with food poisoning once, and that was, we both went at, we had sushi last night at one of my favorite restaurants in Seattle, but we got something bad. And the next day at the show, I was just puking the whole time, and, uh, He's a little bit bigger than me, and it didn't, like, I was puking at sound check, and then it hit him at the show. He fell down the stairs afterwards. He he passed out as we got off stage. He turned white and and started puking. Like, we've done it. Like, we played super sick. And, uh, I mean, it's it's, it's all you can do is is get through it. Yeah, because you have to get through it. You have to. Yeah, you have to take the good with the bad and just work, work through it and yeah see the positive and just keep going um what's been one of your favorite shows um that you've gotten to play with fanagram what's well, fun just recently this show in moscow i've never been um and to going to a place that you've never been and having uh just an enormous raucous enthusiastic audience it's just a strange thing it's like wait like i don't know you i've not been you that that we have we're poor in cities. Like when you show up to places like Austin, it's like we've been here so many times. We're all familiar with each other, even though you don't know the people. I mean, you, just, you know a lot. You meet a lot of them, but so yeah, going to Moscow and be like, who are you, and why do you know us, and why are you enthusiastic? It, it was just wild. It was such an amazing show. Huge, gorgeous venue. Uh, yeah, that one. I was just. I was shocked. I was shocked. Why? Why do you do what you do? Why? Why? Why music? Um, I just I have to. It's been that way since I was a kid. You know, I think we're all we're all made up to you know our everyone's brain releases those chemicals that say I like this. I mean, everyone's that's why it's why everyone is into whatever it is they're into because that's the button that gets pushed. It's why people like certain foods. It's why people like you know certain types of weather and and there's no you know i don't think rhyme or reason as to what 
can cause that to happen. Like I wasn't, my, no one played music in my family. It wasn't like I was taught to. It's just when I do music, whatever the thing that makes me go, you know, hits the little pleasure button for for the chemical in my brain, it's it's always been music. Uh, That's why you love love music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's certainly not for the money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still. Uh, I still bartend when we're not on tour, just to work, you know, it's, and that's okay. It's, I guess I'm kind of lucky and unlucky that I don't, I don't have to deal I'm with a lot of the business stuff, just since I, I only have to play the music. Um, all the things that people talk, like I've had friends who've talked about how, you know, whatever screwed over they got by a manager or a label or something never had to really deal with and our whole team is is amazing they make this they make this effortless for us so uh like it's actually it's only gotten more enjoyable because it seems so uh, what's the word like every, just every part functions together Perfectly, uh, our, our 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 management, our booking people, like we're fr we're friends with everybody. They're not just just business associates. That's that's huge. That's huge. Having good relationships with management. And Everyone, I mean, I'm Facebook friends with you know our lawyers and their their wives because we're all we're all friends. We we all care. Everyone actually cares about what they're doing on our side. They don't they don't. You know, it's not like we have a person who's. You know, just just business minded or something that doesn't actually care about about the outcome. It seems like you know everything we get to do is such fantastic quality stuff. So yeah, I have I have no no you know bad stories from the past. I just know I, I think we're very fortunate for to work with who we work with on the music industry side, and they all they you know they take care of, of everything. Um, do you write any music of your own? Or? I do. I write. I write a lot, but nothing I've ever released. It's all. I guess it's, it's all of the stuff I've written is kind of more. I guess I would. Can, I would now categorize it as just. It's just practice. It's just exercise for what I do in the band. Like I. I, I have a lot of creative control over what happens on stage because I'm in control of the computers and. Um, I get to arrange a lot of the things, um, you know, all the sound design stuff. Um, I, I, How does that kind of work? How does that work for people that that don't like? Because I'm always, I, I don't fully understand the, you know, all like backing tracks or like the computer side. How how would you explain that? Well, what happens is, you know, when we write a record, you know. We'll use any anything to write. I mean, Josh and Sarah Owens. So we, we just go into people's studios, borrow whatever, use any kind of synth, and you just make. You know, you don't limit yourself as to what you can use. But then I have to translate all that into uh, a live show, and to run everything as kind of efficiently as possible. Like we don't we don't use any hardware synths and stuff. So I go through the records, sound by sound. And then I just remake them on the laptop. 
and so then no one has to worry about maintaining expensive analog synths that can go wrong and and you know we don't use any different stuff I can just go to my keyboard and Sarah can go to her keyboard at a song and just play because what's going to come out at that time is what's supposed to because I went through and, and programmed it all and we can just then focus on just playing not tweaking sounds we you know because it's all in the computer I can make only the controls we want to control not have to go what does what like you know for a song she's got a knob that she can just turn the filter up and and the reverb and delay because that's all you need to so it's all it has and I can make it so that's my role is is translating the the record into a live show how how do how does like the the design on stage and you know all all that come together what what process goes into that that's all sarah and josh they they have the vision for what they want live and then um found uh we've worked with a lot of different uh you know, visual artists, visual designers, and I personally think as a musician, it's equally, if not more, important uh, of a part to make it visually inspiring. Because, like, when I see bands, you know, it, like, if your music just sounds like your record, it's like, well, I can stay home and listen to the record. What do I got to cut? Like, I want, I want, I want the whole thing. And so it literally has to be as strong. Uh, and they, they, they definitely think the same way um do you have any uh tips or for like smaller bands or musicians um wanting to like work their way up it's it's what we've all heard over and over again but it's true it's it's literally never stop doing it because uh for, for a reason other than you want to because i mean for me the 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 pivotal moments that led to me being the band were because I couldn't not do it. I had to. I just, I simply, I simply had to. And not because I wanted to be successful or I wanted money. I just needed to play, play music. That was the only reason. And uh, I, I was also okay with it never becoming big and I, I, I'd given up on that dream a long time ago it's like it's funny when I was younger I had such that hurried feeling you know if you're not famous by the time you're 27 it's never gonna happen you know you're just gonna be old and so I I, I felt I kind of let the pressure go once I turned like 30 I went so like I looked at myself I went I don't want to I'm not gonna stop this isn't something that I don't want to not do so I'm just gonna keep doing it and um, I have people people do I get lots of messages from other bands and there's this problem that I've encountered with so many people that that really are like they ask a favor they want a favor and no one did me favors it's worked like I didn't get in the band because I I, I, I didn't email Josh and Sarah and go like you know this is a really hard business and like I, you know, I just never got the chance. So like, I think you guys really like owe it to me to like, give me a chance. Like, what? I get like, I get those kind of things. Like, you know, people wanting because they, they really think that we would just got it handed to us or something. And this is just pure. Uh, 
I would do this for nothing the rest of my life because it's what I have to do. It's not because uh, I, I, I wouldn't only do it because of a certain level of success, you know? That's what people kind of make it sound like, like, ugh, like if I don't get famous now, like what's the point? It's like, it's because you do it because you want to. Um, and so you can kind of see who's, who is, who, who's not willing to actually put the work in. It's obvious, it shows that they like, they really believe they don't have to work hard. Like, all I need to do is just get discovered. I just need, if I just get that chance from someone, then I'll be famous. Then I'll make my music good. It's like, no, no. I just, just keep doing it because you have to. Those are the people that will make it because everyone else sees it. You can see, like, I can, I can quickly tell when someone's like, they are just an unstoppable force. The thing that pushes them is this invisible, like, you just, they have to do it. And, uh, we see it. It's we, we, you know, everyone, people, people know when they see someone who's got. I think that's why, you know, Josh and Sarah saw it in 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 me. Yeah, oh, that's so great. Um, what's next for you guys? Where where are you guys heading off to uh, next? I mean, minus the Coachella stage tonight. Mexico, Mexico next week. Uh, short little tour: Mexico City, Guadalajara, Monterey. Then a lot of festivals coming up. Uh, I know we're going back to Europe for more. We're doing uh, Reading and Leeds. That'll be a first for me. Um, I know we're going to Norway for the first time. Lollapalooza Berlin. Uh, it'll be fun. So uh, m more things that we've not done before, uh, which is great. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? In terms of. You know, just being creative. Like, I, you know, I think you know, I do a lot of, of photography as well, and that's. Oh yeah, you do. I yeah, I I've, I've noticed a lot of your photography stuff. That's one of those things that it was kind of on the opposite of when you ask what is you know hard about the road. It's like my having a passion for photography just makes being on the road even that much better that I get to go to all these places. So uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like instead of the, all the problems, it's like this this life this life is it, while it's not for very many people, it's so hard. It really is like what what I I I live for being able to and, and like we go on the road and I'll even find opportunities to bounce off like between these last Coachellas like I went I went to Joshua Tree for for three days and we've had we've had days off like we played in like San Francisco and then we had like a couple days off and then um, played in Reno I rented a car went to Yosemite like in hyper too like like. I've always wanted to go to Yosemite. I've yeah. never been. In the middle of the middle of tour, because I could, you know. I just uh, being able to travel this much. I don't. Yeah, I don't even get tired of it. I want to do. I want to do more. I just want to keep. It's so like even last year, we. I left my apartment in July, and I didn't get back until Thanksgiving weekend. That's how. Wow. Wow. I was gone from home that long, and I was going to be home for, I think it was like five days. I got home, and like, a friend texted me, like, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I was like, nothing, I'm home. She's like, come to Minneapolis. And I went, fine. I left in the morning. I've been home for a night. I've been gone for five months. And I went, there's a flight for like 275 bucks. It's like, I could be there for like three days. Like, sure, come. Okay. Like, I, I finally had five days at home, and I went, screw it. I'm going to go somewhere else. Like, my suitcase is still packed. I've been living out of it for five months. And I, I just went on a, another trip. It's just, it's it's all I, you know, 
So I, I want it's, to see the world yeah, you want to see, yeah. in, in so many different ways. And it's hard to see a lot of things being in the band. Many times you show up, you get to see nothing. Because you pull in, you got to load, set up, sound check, find some food, maybe rest, find a place to shower. We've got a show, and then we have to leave right after somewhere else. Uh, I'll, I, you won't even know what is around the corner from... You only know the venue to the city. That has happened so many times. Like, I think I've been to, like, Dublin three times. I couldn't tell you one landmark there because I haven't walked. Each each time, the, the, tr the trip has just been in, pull in, load, play, leave. And that happens to a lot of places. But sometimes you get a rare uh, extended stay uh, where you can explore. So I try. I try and make sure to find something local, be it I want to find the coffee shop that the locals hang out at and maybe buy some beans from from there, uh, you know, and, and just find a place to take a picture. If I can just get a picture of, of, a, of a place, that's that's the souvenir I can I can take with me that, that means the most. Because you forget a lot of the shows. If I don't journal and write down some kind of specific, you know, because if a show goes great, Sometimes a show that goes great isn't memorable because so many of them are great. You know, I'll remember all the ones where something awful happened. You know, because because it stands out. So it'll happen where if you go on a, a you know a three week tour and like how was it? Like how was this city? And you're like, it was probably fine. I don't remember. I don't know because we went in and played and it was awesome and we left and I don't know. So you have to you have to remember. But if I if I force myself to go find something and then I can associate it, you know, if I can write a little blurb about the show put the little picture in my journal it makes it makes the road that much more enriching to to have that story that i can look back on and uh i try i try and do it's so important to yeah, remember I'm not writing it all down but if i can take a picture that that will yeah. that will trigger the oh yeah 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 that that, that time <laughs> so yeah well thank you so much for doing this interview today it was great talking to you and yeah finally like after months yeah. of talking back and yeah. forth so yeah it was my pleasure I love talking about it. Thanks again to Nicholas Shellstack for being on the show. Thanks to the Bang Ups for the theme music. This has been the I Love Music Podcast with Jen Fedor.